Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan. Are you okay, Van? It's, it's me, Rachel Lindsay. You seem, you know, what? tired, a little like, um, I don't know. You don't have the same energy you normally I have just, when yeah, you come in. I just in. came from acupuncture. You told me that. You didn't tell the Thought Warriors that. Oh, yeah. I just came from acupuncture, man. I got, so the last time I got acupuncture, I got acupuncture and I was laying on my stomach and they, she acupuncted my back. She, mm-hmm. uh, she punked it up. And then, and, but this time I got acupuncture and I was on my back and it was a different experience. Better? It, much more tranquil. It's the Center oh. for Stress and Anxiety, Pain and Anxiety here in Beverly Hills. And it, um, it's very relaxing, man. You God, seem man. very relaxed. It's crazy. There's only one part of the acupuncture that kind of hurts me a little bit. For some reason, like my ankles, it's like tight down there. You put it in there and it's a it's little... It's not a lot of meat. Yeah. A lot, a lot. But no, but like she acupuncted my head. <laughs> she acupuncted my ears and all of those other places. It didn't It didn't bother me. Like behind Wait. my ear. How many of the needles? Are they needles? Then yeah, they're, no. How nope, many? Nope, do, do, they're not needles. They're nope. They're knives. They're knives. They're small knives. They're like no, small stop. Knives. Is that really what she refers to them as? No. Of course they're <laughs> needles. You know that they're needles. No, yeah. but I, okay, I, it's never happened to me before, so I don't know if they just look like needles no, and that needles. there's another term for it. Okay, anyways, how many do you get put on you? I can't tell. I would say, because there are people that get a ton if you've been doing it for a long time. I would say if I had to guess how many needles I had this time, I would guess probably about 25 or 30. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. that's not bad because yeah. I couldn't sit there and have like 100 put on me. It's just the number increase as you get further into your acupuncture experience. It seemed like there were more needles this time than there were last time. Okay. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And... This time with the cupping, because I got the cupping too. Oh, this time with the cupping, she turned the cups and then she left them on me. She didn't just cup and then take them off. No, it was a little suction, but it didn't hurt. Y'all, y'all saw his face right there. It hurt a little bit. It hurt a little bit. It didn't hurt. It didn't (laughs) hurt a little bit. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world, but I'm telling you, I was laying there and it's like, even the acupuncture itself is cool, but even just to, be able to put yourself in sort of that type of realm, man. It's like water sounds playing in the background, like mm-hmm. the, the ocean crashing type of joint. And there's a warm heat on you. It's a dimly lit mm-hmm. room. And you just relax. Exactly. Is you there music? Relax. Yeah, I there's just, music. Oh, well, no, sounds- there's no music. It's the, they got the wave crashing. Oh, even better. Oh, let me tell you something. I need that in my life about right now. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. 
with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. So I got a phone call this morning. Actually, I was I was calling talking to my parents this morning on my ride into work, and my mom tells me about my nephew. So my nephew is apparently the only black boy in his class. Right. And he has taken an interest in what's obviously he's five. He's in kindergarten. So he doesn't know what's going on in the world, but he is very, very talented and gifted and he pays attention to what's going on. So in my sister's neighborhood and my, my brother-in-law, there's a lot of BLM signs up. Mm -hmm. So he's been like, what is that? What does that mean? Why do these people have it? Why do they not? So the point where he understands what's going on and was actually nervous about going to his school because he didn't want to be one of the few black kids there with what was happening. I mean, that's how self-aware he is about what's happening. So my sister um, started to notice that his colors were changing. You know, they give you one color if you're good, like a medium color, another mm -hmm. color if if you're not. So he's getting these yellows, which means like, it's like a warning. And she's like, why are you getting yellows? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, because I was kept twirling my pen or my pencil. And she's like, why are you twirling your pencil? And she, he's like, because I'm, I'm sad. I'm lonely. And she's like, why are you lonely? Because the teacher has him sitting by himself in class mm. and every other student is paired with someone else. And there's a mm -hmm. pairing because of, of, uh, of COVID. They can't all sit at the table together, mm -hmm. but there's an odd number. Mm -hmm. So she has the one black child sitting in a corner by himself mm -hmm. while he's looking out at the rest of his classmates. Mm. sitting and coupled with other people. And it really bothered me, obviously, because it's my nephew and I'm protective. And, you know, my sister and my brother-in-law are handling that with the school. But when she first texted the teacher, the teacher said, okay, I'll take that under consideration. Mm -hmm. My sister was advising her how problematic that is, especially with what's going on, what he's noticed. He's got to come to school every day and be the only black kid sitting by himself. Teacher didn't get it. Teacher didn't care to get it. My sister mm -hmm. had to go to the principal to handle the situation. Really, really bothered me really made me sad because despite with everything that's going on in this world, people still don't get it and they don't want to get it. And then I don't, and it bothers me too, because as a teacher, they're children, but they're paying attention and they're watching to what you're doing and they're watching to what's going on and the psychological effect that that could have on my nephew, knowing he's the only black boy. This is how you treat black children in your class. You separate them from everybody else for whatever read quarantine, whatever. Why him? Why is he the only one? I mean, my sister said even his friends spoke out and was like, I'll be the one to sit by myself. She's like, no, him. He's going to go mm. sit by himself without mm. any type of explanation. It's just sad, man. It really, it really, it really made me upset this morning. Yeah, I was walking up, um, up La Cienega a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. And when I was walking up La Cienega, there were these kids that were playing. There's like a Jewish school there on the corner of La Cienega and Olympic. Uh-huh. And there are these kids that were playing um, outside early in the morning. Like when the kids are first coming to school, you know, I take my early morning walks or whatever. And uh, there's this kid and he sees me and he goes, hi, how are you? And I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And then all of a sudden he like laughs and smiles and runs away. And then he brings back like three other kids. 
And they all go, hey, how are you doing? Hey, what's up? Hey. And, I'm, and I stop and I go, hey, guys, how are you? You know, the, the, that, uh, that how when you see kids, you immediately go, hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you guys? And they're like, hey, hi. And we're just standing there waving to each other. First uh-huh. of all, that interaction made my day. Secondly, it made me think about something. Those kids didn't want to do anything more in their life at that moment than connect with someone, than say hello, than yep. be a part of something. They were happy to say hi. They weren't scared. They weren't trepidatious. They didn't say, hey, big six foot four black dude. That mm-hmm. is what America says is dangerous. Don't want to talk to him. Don't want to be around him. And I started to think in my mind, that is innate, that feeling of connection and wanting to be around people and wanting to laugh and play and be one. For those kids, for that to change, someone, for some reason, is going to have to intentionally kill that in them. Yeah. Either under the guise of keeping them safe, telling Mm -hmm. them what to fear, or under the guise of telling them who has done them wrong in the past. Or just other guys of some sort of superiority complex. Someone is going to have to kill that that is inside of them and make yeah. them into what we are. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder if, if that teacher is doing that right now for absolutely. your nephew. She's absolutely doing it. What an unthinkable and unforgivable crime that actually ends up being in somebody's life when they're that young to do that to a kid, if that's happening to him right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if he hadn't said anything to my sister, who knows how long he would be sitting there observing that? Why am I different? Why am I getting different treatment? And here's the thing, even if the teacher, let's just give her the benefit of the doubt, which I don't believe did it, you know, just because I don't know, she picked a straw out of a hat or something and his name was on it. Um, The fact that she didn't explain it to him, the fact that she didn't tell him why he's the one sitting by himself is a, is, it's so detrimental. Yeah. So detrimental. So So. I wonder if they draw straws. I wonder if she put a little black straw in there for him. You know, (laughs) if it was just a bunch of little white straws and then it was like, hey, look at this little straw. This is a Jamal. And we're going (laughs) to put this in here. But seriously though, teachers got to watch out because I'll tell you what will happen. I'll tell you, I give you the best I give you the best reason why the teacher should stop doing what she's doing. Me. You don't want to create another one of these, lady. <laughs> Did this happen to you in kindergarten? But hell yeah. It happened to me all throughout. It, it, yeah, I, I was in the pro- gifted went... program. It was uh, happening yeah. to me. You're going to just create another loud mouth who is going to love making you uncomfortable and telling you about yourself. That same, your, I bet your little nephew is very bright, comes from a very bright family. He's going to write books about this moment. And he's going to write, it's going to be everywhere. You have to deal with this. I'm telling you, stop this. All you're going to do is is make another uh, (laughs) racial cyborg. (laughs) Oh, I already told my sister, I was like, can he wear bracelets to school? I will be mailing this tomorrow. This BLM bracelet. That's not enough. That's not enough. He's five, man. I know. You Hell wanna, no. He wears a uniform. He can't wear it. He can't. What, 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 you, what you want? What should he do? I'm going to put a Malcolm X shirt on him. <laughs> he can't. I'm going to, man, to tell him to call Uncle Van. We got to have a talk. Because <laughs> now it's militant. Now we tried it the other way. We tried it. See, this is what happened. We tried it the nice way. 
This may mm. happen because my sister is a big shout out to my sister Constance. She's a big fan of this podcast. She listens to every single episode. She's going to be like, give me Van's number. Let me yep. go ahead and call. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? Like, uh, <laughs> like they, they're going to be in the class. You know, be talking about reading and reading the fundamental and the ABCs and gonna ask them a question. Hey, why don't you ever raise your hand? Raise my hand for what? To participate in this white power system that you got going on in this school? Let me tell you about yourself. Let me tell you about the original Asiatic black man and woman, the lineage of which I come through. Okay, follow me. The lineage of which I come through, the original man of this planet, the Asiatic black man and his queen of the universe, the Nubian, of course, uh, goddess of the whole world, the black woman. Tell you about yourself. Tell you about where you come from in the Caucasus Mountains. You want to talk about this? You want to talk so about this? So my nephew is biracial. So what? Don't matter. I, no, I'm not taking it away. I'm just also putting that out there. I'm Don't, just putting that out there. He'll go home. Is He'll go home and tell that same shit to his dad. <laughs> he'll go home and tell that same shit to his like, dad. You're right. You were, he'll be like, you're <laughs> right. Say, you're right. You right. Make he it plain, little man. Make it plain. Make it plain, little man. Talk, talk. Make it plain. Talk to me. You know, but being told them about everything all the way back. I like calling himself a more. I'm gonna get him a kufi. Not a more. Not a, what's the, not a more. He's a more. He's <laughs> a little. He's a young more. I'm gonna get him a kufi. See, because here's what his deal. We try to do it the regular way. We do. We try to do it the regular way, but then now, now we gotta unleash the real knowledge <laughs> on you. You feel what I'm saying? We gotta unleash the real knowledge on you. Oh, you know what? They, where they at in Texas? Dallas. This is the best. Just send them in there with a picture on a shirt of a black Jesus. Just Jesus. <laughs> like, basically, Samuel L. Jackson you really is upset Jesus them? Christ. Put them on this, put black, put, put Jesus, black, put a black Jesus. Jesus on there. <laughs> put a black Jesus on there. Because it's messed poor, up, man. Poor little Alice is going to get kicked out of the school. That's okay. We'll, ho- we'll homeschool you. Come to, come to the class of higher learning. Yeah, is he light skin? Yeah. It's like, how light, what, what, what grade of light skin are we talking about? Like, Shamar Moore to Drake? Like, what? What? Like the like Drake, maybe lighter than Drake. It don't get no lighter than Drake. What you talking about? Maybe like I'm maybe it's lighter than Drake. Like his brother Hendrix is uh brown. He's brown. See, and that's that's probably even more like confusing for him. Cause he's looking around, he's like, yo, oh, let me see. Like Sorry. I'm you. I'm basically you after your parents trip. To Cape Cod or, or to like like Anguilla. <laughs> I'm basically like, why y'all doing me this way? I feel sorry for him, but it's okay. It, I, Don't I, feel I, sorry for him. I He's... like it. I like it when they radicalize him young like that. Well, this might be the moment. You're right about that because this might be the moment where, oh, wait. This might be the moment where he's like, he will always be able to point to. Oh, handsome little. Oh, that's a handsome little man. He's That's so a handsome cute. little man. And my sister said, "Never let anyone steal your joy. I'll always advocate for you." That's what yeah, she posted. That's a he gonna he look good with a neck tattoo. Gonna, <laughs> Don't you do? Don't you do, good. young Alistair, it, like that? It, it's, it's gonna. This is the way it starts. It starts. <laughs> Now it don't seen. start. It doesn't start it's this seen. way. And he gonna look an, good with a neck your, tattoo. Where's your neck tattoo? Where's your, where, right here. I don't get any tattoo? tattoos because they won't show up. They'll show up. Well, that is man. not true. He tattoos got the same complexion as a canvas. Shut up. Like he, like he, like he, he gonna look good with a neck tattoo of Africa right there. We got Marcus Garvey, Ella Baker, all on his. You know, but he. By the way, he's gonna be doing all of this while he's in Harvard. We we, we going to the top. 
but they don't know what they created. They created a little monster. And I, I love, love that it. you're taking him under your wing. Under my wing. Under I'll, my I'll wing. I'll have Alistair call into the show. Yeah, have him call in. It's mm-hmm. great. Be great. All right. Uh, <laughs> real quick, let's take a little break and pay some bills. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Um, now, we've talked a lot about during this time of COVID and election anxiety and all of that stuff, just how people's mental health is. But it, it occurred to us that we had never actually had uh, a mental health expert on here to talk to you guys about maybe some techniques, uh, maybe some ways that you can in, 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 you know, invest into some self-care, some things that you can do to make sure that your mental health is tip-top. So we're going to do that right now. We have a titan in this here <laughs> mental health space, Dr. Jess how are you doing today, sister? Welcome to Higher Learning. Thank you so much. I'm doing well, all things considered. You know, I think we all had some pretty good news over the weekend. And, mm-hmm. you know, that definitely has helped to, to boost my mood a bit. But all things considered, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. What yeah. would be, and that leads me into my first question. You say that, you do, that you're doing well. When yeah. you say well, what should be our expectation of well in terms of mental health? What is doing well? I know it's different for everybody, but what would you say doing well is? Oh, I love that question. So I, I think the important thing to think about when we're thinking about our mental health is really about being in a place where you feel sort of centered. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, not being so overwhelmed with feeling anxious, like, uneasy, having that tension that really can bleed over to how well you can function, right? So functioning means if you're working that, you know, now your anxiety is contributing to not showing up to work on time or not being able to reply to emails, right? And then even in your personal life, like your home life, not being able to be an ideal partner or, or parent, whatever the situation is. So well, wellness is really about the stability and being able to function and sort of roll with things as like stressful things come up, like the pandemic that we're all living in. Um, it's all about just being able to, to still perform and function at a level that really is your, your baseline. Like what's your normal everyday sort of ability to cope. Um, Dr. Jess, so there's so much to be, you know, anxious about or worried about with with, whether it's race relations, the economy, uh, public health. And I, to add to that, there's this new study that's just come out that says one in five COVID-19 patients are developing mental illness within 90 days, or maybe it starts at 90 days after the diagnosis. Why is that? Because, well, I'll just ask you that. Why is that? Yeah, I think I think that that study may be showing the the ultimate unknown that we we all experience around this disorder, this disease, this condition. Right, a person can develop this 
um, get, get exposed to COVID-19 and, and have absolutely no symptoms, right? And then we also hear about people who have been exposed to this condition and then develop symptoms that last well beyond the time that the, the virus is, you know, after the virus has been treated. So I think the, those feelings, that mental illness that develops really comes out of the uncertainty. Like, what is this condition going to do to a person in three years, in four years? There, there definitely have been studies that, that have shown for some people, they develop changes to um, the muscle tissue of their heart, right? So what does that mean down the road? If it's, let's say if you're asymptomatic today, but then, you know, 15 years later, that, that tissue that's changed, is that going to affect, you know, how well a person's cardiac function could be later? So the, the anxiety, the mental illness that may be developing may come from that. And then also just this sort of mark of shame a bit, you know, I think, I think there probably could potentially become stigma associated with like, oh, you got COVID, I didn't. And so like that starts to separate people or, oh, you didn't get COVID and I did now we can all hang out. So I think that's also a part of just like, what is that going to mean when a person does share their, their COVID status? Um, and maybe some of those symptoms may develop from that. Just like, am I going to be ostracized whether I got it or not? So, so to speak. Yeah. You know, when I am in crisis with anxiety, first of all, people that know me know that I like to be around people. I like to hang out. I like to be, I like to be connected. I like to be in the world, talking to everyone at all times, you know, whatever. But something specific happens when I am in crisis with my anxiety is I start to feel like I am the only person on planet Earth. Like, everybody that talks to me, they sound like Charlie Brown's mom. You know what I mean? And like, and you, and it's really, really isolating and debilitating the loneliness. You add that to people who are actually lonely because they can't be around anyone. And it's a recipe to quickly, quickly lose any sort of sense of like who you really are. So... We've all talked about it. Like, how do you stay emotionally connected to people who you cannot touch? I know that everybody's FaceTiming and stuff like that. But is there anything more substantive substantive that you can do? Or should maybe you be looking to, to, to learn ways to cope with the solitude? Like, what's the better route to go so that you don't drift off? Ooh. I mean, that, that I think will be the, the, the answer to that question. I think we will really know with the test of time. Um, but what, what I, what I try to do when I'm caring for patients, um, you know, virtually is that's also the, the way that things are now with that is, is trying to help a person build as much as they can that's sort of on their tool belt. Right. So yes, if right now what's the most meaningful level of interaction a person can have, if it's virtual, Let's make that intentional. Let's not just get on FaceTime and, and be having the screens, you know, watching television and doing all this other stuff. Let's make it meaningful. Can you get on FaceTime with a buddy who like cooks really well and you all have planned that you're going to together learn a recipe, right? I have a good friend who's like a big cook. Like what can we do to make that time meaningful, right? So again, using that example, let's, let's, plan to go to the grocery store, get the ingredients. We're going to set up a time. You're going to tell me how to cook this meal. So, so that's one way to think about when a person is having these virtual meetups, like how can I really make it meaningful and intentional and not just kind of shooting the crap, right? So to speak. Yeah. You know what you just said, Dr. Jess, just real quick. You just told all the women that's hassling their men for playing Xbox with the homies for five and six and seven hours a day, you just told them to stop. 
They doing something meaningful together <laughs> virtually and they're connecting with each other. Dr. Jess just told y'all, you better let that man play Madden. Leave him alone. I while didn't he playing hear 2K. that. Yeah, I didn't hear. We were listening to health. two different things. No, nope, what I heard. No, nope, you're not going to do that to Dr. Jess. She That's didn't say that. That's what I heard. That's what I heard Dr. Jess say. Now listen, that's a whole other conversation if we're going to talk about what effect it can have on a relationship. But, and, and everything's in moderation too, right? Mm-hmm. So so let's say you are trying to be intentional and in making these virtual meet, meetups uh, mean something bigger than just, you know, the screen time. Um, the other piece that you that you asked about is also like what other ways that we can sort of get comfortable with the the solitude. And I love the way that you frame that. It's very important for us to think about the language that we use, right? I don't say like previously when we were all really sort of quarantined, I don't say, oh, I'm quarantined. I say, I'm safe at home, right? Think about the language that we're Mm. using. So if we're going to get comfortable with our solitude, that can mean going back to things that you used to love doing before life and, and work really took over, right? Reading, for example, I used to be a big bookworm when I was a kid, so much so I would get picked up, picked on about it, frankly. Like now is the time I can go up and pick up those books that I never really got a chance to read and, and really develop that aspect of, of my life that I've put away. So, so start to think about what are those things you can do in your life that you haven't been able to do before. Mm. But don't let, yeah. the, don't let the social isolation become, become something that can be become sort of deleterious, right? Where it can have negative effects. So you, you want to find ways to socially distance, maybe have some of those meetups where you can get out and see people, take those nature walks, get out, see the, the leaves changing colors. Like in New York, that's been really beautiful to see. But the point is, is don't just sit alone and do nothing and sort of let the, the anxious thoughts take over. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to piggyback on that because let's just say I've been affected by what's happening with the pandemic. I've lost my job. I no longer have insurance. I don't, I can't afford therapy. You know, some of us on this podcast go to acupuncture, you know, they have other, (laughs) they have, they have other outlets that they, that they can, but just say, I'm listening to this and I, I, I'm not able to afford that. What are some at home tools that I can use that can help me, you know, kind of control the whatever mental health disorder or illness that I may be going through. I love that. So I I encourage people to journal, right? I think everyone has access to a pen and pad, you know, and at the very least, most people have access to like their notepad and their phone. So, so journal. And when you're journaling, write about like what you're feeling. And so I know growing up, we used to say the term, like I feel some type of way to sort of describe everything that wasn't pretty. That's not really an emotion. And so I encourage people to... That's <laughs> true. Yeah, you're definitely right about that, right? It's not. I hate to break it to people, but it's not. So, <laughs> so I have a tool to help people. So, so you can look up what's called the feelings will, and it may sound really corny, but what it can do is help you to identify the word for what you are feeling. So if you're feeling some type of way, but actually you look at the feelings well, and it's really frustration that resonates or irritated that resonates, that means you're mad. So when you're journaling, try to capture those feelings because it's when you are able to identify your emotion that you're experiencing, give a name to it, mm. that you free yourself of that psychic tension, that pain that's in our mind. So Journaling is an excellent way to start that. The other thing is think about like support type groups. You know, if, if you can't sign up for therapy, um, that's, you know, okay. 
But but think about what are ways when you are having these conversations with people that you can really make it about what you really need to get off your chest. Make it a supportive conversation, not just like I'm doing okay, like really get into the stuff that's challenging. Because the other part about our minds is if we share the burden a bit, that also helps to free us up of that, that baggage that we feel we're carrying alone. Just if we pass it and share it with others. So, so journal and use those friendships and relationships to really talk about real stuff and not just everything's okay. Cause it's not okay it's right not. now. And most people no, are not, not. Doing okay right now. <laughs> um, so I was talking to one of my homeboys and, uh, you know, we're talking, we keep it real as the fellas do when it's just us on the phone. And he looks at me and he goes, uh, you know, we're on the FaceTime and he says, Hey, I, I realized something, uh, that I never realized before. I was like, what? He's like, I don't really like my son. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, I love him, but being around him a lot now, as I've been around him, I realized he's mean. He's mean. He is needy. He is like, he is like, I always see by the time I see him, he didn't run all of his, he's, he's tired. And it's like, give me a snack, play some Fortnite, go to sleep. But he's like, yo, every day, like, I'm scared of this little dude. Like he run the house. Like he kind of a little bully, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And, and this conversation, it seems humorous, but he was really confiding into me, uh, confiding, not into me, confiding in me that he is having a tough time in this proximity with his kids and family for this much time and that he needs a break. Um, is that fair? Is it, it, he's, he's struggling with those feelings of guilt from wanting to be away from his family for a while. Like, is that fair? Is it fair for those people out there that are saying, I don't want to see the kids anymore. I don't want to watch Trolls World Tour again. I don't want to do all of that stuff. Like, how do you deal with those feelings of guilt when you're supposed to be safest and the most centered around the people that you love, but you've just been around them too much? Yes. Look, that I think is the reality of what we are we are dealing with with this pandemic. This is this is like the the the, the most extreme amount of time that any individual can spend with other people that we can sort of imagine. Like I, I never imagined that this would be the world that we're living in. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, so so to your point, it, I think it is absolutely within reason, if not sort of normal to have a reaction to the, the, the experience that we have with some of the people that we're all spending, you know, time with our family members. Right. So mm-hmm. yes, I think it's absolutely reasonable for your friend to maybe feel like he's noticed some things about his son that he probably wasn't seen before. Right. Because work and life and all that, that ability to sort of only get pieces of a person. Now you're seeing them 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's normal. So that's that's the first thing I would say to anyone experiencing that. That it's like that that is a variation of norm um, of the norm. And with the feelings of guilt, I think it's just important to maybe to, to talk it out. So you know, I'm glad that he came, he reached out to you to make, to maybe share that. That's the first step. And and um, I certainly hope that he would even talk to you if there's a significant other or spouse to talk about or partner to talk to um, that person about what they're feeling. And it might also open open his eyes a bit to maybe some some help that, you know, his child may need. Maybe there's some reason why he's noticing some of these, um, these signs, right? Like is his child actually struggling with also being isolated at home with parents? Like who wants to live like that? Our young people are really struggling right now too. They're, they're completely cut off from their friends at, at school. And so of course they might not be like the best people to live with mm. every day. I think everyone is experiencing that to some degree. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, I sent them some. I sent them some different brochures and websites on adoption. So we'll just see where that goes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank God we have Dr. Jess on here because oh, the gosh. advice that you're giving out ain't helping. Dr. Mm-hmm. Jess, okay. We talked about this a little bit earlier before you joined on the podcast. And I'm going to speak on the opposite end of what children go through. So I was telling a story about my nephew who is the only black child in his classroom and the teacher has him sitting by himself. My sister listens to this, to the podcast and I know that there are other parents out there with kids as well. And, and we talked a bit about this, but my, my nephew is going through understanding what Black Lives Matter means and representation and and being the only Black child in his classroom with the way that his teacher is separating him from the other students. Long story short, it's COVID. So they're, they're in twos. It's an odd number. And she chose the one Black child to sit by himself. That's, 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 that's another story. But for the parents who are listening and have children that are watching what their parents are doing, watching, maybe picking up on conversation that's happening in the news. And I mean, children, parents with children of color, black children, what advice can you give to them about how to approach having these convers, mm. these difficult conversations with their children? Cause they are watching. Ooh, yes. You know, I'm, I'm a big, um, I really encourage being as vulnerable and and honest as possible with um, our our young people, our children, especially. And when I say vulnerability, what I mean by that is just the the sort of openness around what you're actually feeling and and thinking and trying to give honor to that and not vulnerability as this weak thing, not at all. It's actually a sign of strength to be able to express and show vulnerability. So vulnerability. So I do encourage that. So I think an approach is using family time. I do hope people are also using this time to like sit around the table again, go back to some of that old school stuff that, you know, our parents maybe grew up to. Um, Using that time when you're sitting sitting around the table to start to open those questions up, right? You're, You're watching what your child is seeing on the news, right? Use that as an opportunity to say, hey, I know you may have questions about what you saw, Now's the time for us to sort of talk about that and just allow your ch- child to, to be messy in how they articulate and help them to put um, a, a language to what they're feeling. And it, it's okay to identify, like you, you probably feel afraid if you notice that that's what they're trying to say. Um, so, so be vulnerable, use the family time to begin those conversations and to be honest about not necessarily having the answers because we, we, we don't, unfortunately, but, but, but showing that you are doing everything to keep your family safe. And so you're demonstrating that by, by having that safe space where they can talk and you're praising them and you're validating, you know, their, their emotions and you're being sure to build them up, but also giving them that space to talk and process. But if you open up that, that conversation, just be sure that you end with a nice, warm, sort of ending around what you as a family are doing to, to get through and help your child ultimately achieve those things that they want to achieve, like in the immediate and even in the long run. All that makes sense. That, no, it makes perfect sense. Van, Van applauded it because he said, great, my nephew's now going to be militant. That was like the advice that. that I got from, from Van. So thank like you, that. Dr. Jess. No. Much appreciated. No, these, uh, <laughs> they don't know what they've created. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to my homie Law. Send them over to us. We'll get them right. We'll let him know where he comes from. The original man. <laughs> what I'm just saying. Like, well, like, they, they, you see they, what I, do you see what I deal with no, I'm each saying, episode? We'll let him know. We'll, let me we'll know where I right. can sign up for some sessions, Dr. Jess, because 
I need it right after this. These we'll podcasts. get them right. We'll get them right. <laughs> send a little homie to me to send him back to school with a kufi on his head. You know what I'm saying? I should say that earlier. Make sure he knows what's up. Being in there. Um, all right, Doc, I got one more question for you. Um, so like Rachel talked about, uh, I go to therapy twice a week. I get acupuncture and all of that stuff once a week. Um, so I am doing my best to keep this demon of mental health uh, or, or mental illness or dysfunction or whatever at bay because it significantly uh, disrupts my life when it's not, right? But there are other brothers out there, some of them who are my close friends, that I recognize these same things in. My homie hit me up one time. I'll never forget that he goes, bruh, man, I woke up in the middle of the night. My heart was racing. And then I was just, I, I, I walked over to the, to, the, to the bathroom. I tried to put some water on my, I went to the doctor. They say, ain't nothing wrong with me. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm like, fam, you, you had an anxiety attack. You had a panic attack. It's like, that's what happened. It's like, that's, remember that stuff that used to happen to me? That started happening to me when I was in my 20s? It's like, nah, nah, that would never, no, 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 no. It must be something else. I must have been drinking too much caffeine. I'm like, all right, dog. I'm telling you, the chances are you're going to have another one. And like, there's something you can deal with. The chances are, you know, and they don't want to face it. They, they, they can't face it. It's, it's too significant a development for them to face it. What do we do? How can we get specifically black men mm. to take their mental health as seriously um, as some of these other things? Like, what's the, have you, have you seen this changing? Is there anything more we can do? Like, what do we do? Ooh, I think, you know, I think it starts with continuing to have conversations like these. And, you know, I want to salute you and, and for being open and talking about it. I think it's going to take Black men seeing other Black men be honest and vulnerable about um, their own experiences and also engaging with treatment, not just like, oh, I go through that, but follow it up with I'm in treatment. So I think these conversations are important. I also think for, you know, therapists and psychiatrists listening, Black psychiatrists and therapists specifically, it's going to be so important to make ourselves available and out in the forefront. So a lot of why I've even been able to get recognized so much is because I took it to social media and said, hey, I'm a Black psychiatrist. Here I am. And I found an overwhelming response where people are like, I've been interested in getting treatment, but I never knew where to start. Or I never knew that this was something to take seriously. But you have now made me see this is important. So I need people who also do the same line of work to go public and be very open about their availability and the type of issues that people can have that they treat because there's a lot of um, mystery around what it means to get this treatment, right? It's before I even became a psychiatrist, I had no clue what this really was. Like, so, so there's a lot of mystery. So I think we have to demystify it. And then I do think that it's also important for people to just give it a try, right? You, 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 it's just like dating, right? You have to go on a few dates to find the right one. So, so if you, if you approach, if someone is telling you that, look, you could benefit from seeing a therapist or psychiatrist, give it a try. Um, you can look up resources like inclusive therapists, where they have a whole bunch of therapists who say, I, I'm comfortable treating people of color or black folk, or I'm comfortable treating people of this sexual identity and, 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 and gender identity. So looking at resources like that psychology today, um, but give it a try. And I, I had a, a woman that I was talking to once that shared to me, she, she's been very open about her, her experience with OCD, that it took her just continuing until she found the right one. And so that's something that resonates with me, that you got to keep trying once you start. Um, so th those would be some of the things that I would recommend to start with. But listen to people if they're telling you that it's time to get help. 
because oftentimes we can't see it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. It takes someone else holding that mirror up and take heed to that. It's it's not easy, but take heed. Mm. Mm. All right, Doc, doing the Lord's work out there. Um, <laughs> we're happy to have you. <laughs> Tell Law I said what's up. Where where can um where can people learn more? get more. I, I follow you on social media. I've seen all of your appearances and stuff like that. But tell me, tell us what's going on. Like, where can people get more info from Dr. Jess on how to keep their brains healthy? Yeah. So uh, social media is a great place to interface with me. I run my own social media account. So we're not people, I respond to people. So you can okay. visit um, Instagram, ask Dr. Jess. I'm also on Twitter. Um, very soon I will be releasing an audible book. Um, Sweet. That- yeah, so I'm excited about that. And that's going to sort of help people to get comfortable with mental health and, and some of the some of the challenges that I've noticed. So the great way to stay in touch with me is there. And then I also have email where people can can access and visit visit me there. And then very soon, I'm probably going to do a few groups because I realize this is a time where we, we really could be more engaged in therapy. And group therapy is a great way also to get, to get acquainted before starting individual therapy, which... I think everyone should eventually do. <laughs> okay. Well, we really appreciate you stopping yes, by today. thank you. Dropping some knowledge on us. Thank you, Dr. Jess. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I really Bye. appreciate this. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Thank guys. you. Rach, first of all, Dr. Jess, man, so do you feel more mentally aware and like you have some tools now? Did you, you learn something from Dr. Jess, Rach? Because I know you yes. struggle to keep, you know, your head on straight. I have I have to thank you for introducing me to Dr. Jess. I I wasn't familiar with her until you brought her to my attention. She's amazing. I haven't stopped following everything that she's doing since she first came to my attention. I thought her advice was not just great for you and me, but for the rest of our thought warriors uh, in different situations, just really how to cope and manage what we're currently going through, but just also skills in general of how to manage whatever mental health illness that you are, or disorder that you are uh, currently going through and experiencing. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely Great. Fantastic, man. Uh, so look, we have to get to it. We, you know, you know, it was coming. It is, it's the Friday podcast, which means we have to have a batch recap. Okay? Give the people what they want, man. You gotta give the people what they want. Now listen, this episode had a lot of batch craziness in it. Okay. <laughs> it had a lot of batch craziness in it. To me, it did. Okay. To me, it was a crazy episode. Okay. Do right tell. Now, first thing is, we already got a new Dale. <laughs> Who is it? Spencer. Why? Why? Because, because number one, it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't quite the same I'm having twins moment. Okay. That with Claire and Dale, Chip and Dale, the rescue rangers. It was, however. It was, however, some facsimile of that when she saw Spencer. It was kind of like, ooh, a little bit. You felt a little, ooh, because he got the jaw. You know, he got the white boy jaw, Spencer. And then Spencer came in first. Spencer came in shooting shots. Spencer came in like, which one of you ran clear off, dudes? (laughs) (laughs) And right away, everyone hated him just like they hated Dale. It was the same thing. I felt that same Dale-ish energy. I mean, we'll agree to disagree here. If I hadn't seen the rest of the episode, I would be a little bit more inclined to agree with you. Mm-hmm. But um, I will, I will agree with you in that he came in guns like, blazing, 
yeah, like I'm here, I'm Spencer, I've arrived. And him getting the first impression rose did not help that. Rather than trying, you have to play the game. That's the thing with Bachelor. You have to play the game where you're trying to get the girl or the guy, whoever may be the lead, but then within the house, you spend more time with the people you live with. You got to play both hands, okay? Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, you know, make an enemy of the people you're living with. I know right. you don't understand the rules of the game, Dan, but this is one of the key rules to succeed on the why, show. But why, though? Why can't you make an enemy of the people that you're living with? It's a competition. Like, why? There is something called a two-on-one that you have yet to experience yet in Bachelor Nation. Uh, and that's why you say, don't want to be the I villain. I have experienced it. I said and in it, Bachelor Nation. Oh, yeah, it was one of the things. I've been checked that one out of my box back in the 2000s. But go ahead. Okay, <laughs> You know what's funny? <laughs> I say two on one all the time when it, in regards to The Bachelor, and I never have thought of it that way. That's why it's so funny and, dare I say, refreshing to mm-hmm. talk to someone who is mm-hmm. not a part of Bachelor Nation because mm-hmm. you don't hear things the same way I'm that I do you, this terminology. The Bachelor is a freaky ass show. Yeah, all this, I didn't know that it was all of this kissing, all of this fucking. Now you're talking about some two on ones. I didn't know all of this stuff was going on in the Bachelor Pornhub <laughs> mansion that you guys got going on over there. I didn't know that was happening, but you were saying though, there's a there's so something now called you're two happy you subscribed then. Yeah, what happened to the what happens during the two the, the two, two on, on one is where and you're already starting. Actually, no, next week you'll start to see it being set up. So the two on one is where you have two people in the house who do not get along. They can't get along at all, and you see this as a storyline throughout the the season. So they eventually put them on a date with the lead, but she's got to go with both of them on the date. So instead of it just being one-on-one, a group date, you've got the two guys who don't like each other, girls who don't like each other, and she has to make the decision on who she wants or he wants to keep. So why is that bad then? Because that becomes your storyline, right? You you become that person who's so caught up in the drama rather than focusing on the girl because that's Mm. all they're going to show of you. You also got to win the audience over. There's there's so many games that have to be played here. You so don't right, want to be on a two-on-one. So right now, the two-on-one looks like it's going to be Riley and Spencer then. <laughs> because Riley punched Spencer dead in his shit. Here's the thing. Spencer's scared of Riley. I, I got to be honest with you, man. Spencer a hoe. Like, Spencer, like Spencer is. Spencer a hoe. Okay. Spencer's scared of Riley. First of all, I'm not saying that it doesn't make any sense to be scared of Riley. That nigga Riley swole as hell. <laughs> that nigga Riley used his Yoda ears to work out his body and get buff as hell. He like when he took the shirt off, he looked even more buff. That nigga, that nigga swole. But um, so yeah, so but when he when he reached back and got that man in the kisser, that was on purpose. If you're Spencer, we gotta go. Like we gotta go. We like. By the way, that happened to me. That same thing happened to me. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. There's always with, a story. With, with, like, wait, wait. With, were you the Spencer or the Riley? I was the Riley. Okay. And it was fourth grade, and for some reason, there was a new guy in school, and something said, "Test this dude." I don't. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Some said, "Test this guy." Some said, "Test this." Guy. I don't. I still <laughs> to this day have no clue why I did this. Some said, "Test this guy," and we were singing the um. The uh, the Pledge of Allegiance or some songs, and I went yeah, I went flail my arms <laughs> and smacked that man in the head. 
He did not hesitate. Ah, ah, ah. And then we was going. And like, I had them all. This girl named Debbie, I used to like her. She used to wear like the bike shorts. And I had them all down by Debbie Desk. Bang, 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 bang. But then he caught me with one. It was the first time I ever been buzzed. I'm like, oh, shit. And then when he kind of saw he buzzed me, he stopped. The fight went on a lot longer than fourth grade fights go. But here's the thing, though. He wasn't no hoe. Okay. Spencer went out like a hoe. He he knows that Riley did that on purpose. We everyone could see it, and he this he just true. took it in the chops. He took but it in he the got, chops. But one, if he would have started fighting, he wouldn't be on the show anymore. Is that a thing? And, That's a rule. Yeah. Even and if a nigga run into you. I mean, I don't think. I don't know. It's never happened like that before. But I think he wouldn't be on the show. And two, he got the attention of Tasha. Right? She came over to comfort him, check on him to see how he was doing. Mm-hmm. So who well, was really winning here? Riley. So here's so here's <laughs> what happened. And then uh, after that happened, we we move on, and they confront Spencer. And all of the guys, the leftover guys, they confront Spencer. Mm-hmm. And boy band manager comes and Spencer says he's kind of a dick. Spencer goes, how, how, "How could I be a dick? You know that you are. You know what you've done. You know what you've said. You know how you've acted. Don't yeah. play dumb." Spencer, don't play dumb. All right? And then Riley, basically, because what happens is, this is what happens. Once somebody busts you in your choppers like that, yeah. they bust you, now they're going to they gonna fly off the handle. Now they're going to they gonna violate to a high degree. Because he, he said that to him, then he looked back at him, he's like, yo, if I'm wrong about you, I could be wrong. But if not, we could go at any time. He, ba- he parked him to his face. You know why he did that? Why? Because because Spencer did nothing after he got bust in his mouth. If you Spencer, you at so least gotta, yeah, you at least gotta elbow him or like, I don't know, kick him in the back of the shin or something. You do like you. I'm telling you, is that a thing? No, you gotta do something. Like you gotta, <laughs> you can't just do nothing. You gotta at least push him. Hey man, and then at least push him real hard and then wait for everybody to break it up. At least go out like a fake tough guy. Now he came right at him. That took all of the wind out of Spencer's sails to me. So two strikes for Spencer, for you. Two. Two. Okay. Two strike, two whole strikes. Spencer is known as Spencer the Ho. Wow. Two whole strikes for Spencer. Okay. Because you know what? You know why? You know another thing that bothers me about Spencer? He started it. Riley was in there. Did he? Met, he did. Riley was in there. Seriously doing forced exercises, meditating, trying to be in tune with Obi-Wan Kenobi and the rest of the people while he was in the pool. That's what Riley was doing, talking to Luke Skywalker, not even worried about Spencer. And Spencer's all over in the pool like Pat Beverly. He's all in the pool. <laughs> like He's getting all up in people's grill and stuff like that. He's going way too hard. He was the Pat Beverly of the, of the pool basketball game, right? And then after that happens, obviously somebody's going to get with you a little bit. But after they get with you, you can't back down. You started. He did. he did. All he did was grab his lip. He grabbed his lip <laughs> and ran over to Tasha. Like, <laughs> like he he grabbed his lip and then Tasha ate it all up. That's how I can tell Tasha. So that's why I said who's winning? Because she didn't give Riley anything. Yeah, Riley might have his pride in it, but he ain't got the girl. She I didn't mean, reward him in that instance. She she Spencer, which gave point. reason for the guys to not like Spencer even more. It's they said he was point. milking it. And then, of course, we all saw that big lineman, he had to go home, man. 
Big Big Lyman couldn't get his Big Lyman couldn't get his he couldn't get his heart out of Claire Crawley. Like he he had to go home. I can't believe he did that, man. He really went out. He, he really was into Claire. He went out like a sucker. And it made once again, Taysha rewarded it. Taysha he, was like, man. This really could, he was really one of the good ones. I didn't think he went out like a sucker because here's my thing. If I'm Tasha, like I don't need you suckers. to be here. I don't need you to be here. He went out like one of the biggest suckers. He's trying to, he was, he was obviously trying to become the next bachelor. That's the only now reason why. I can't disagree with you on that. He, he was all honestly <laughs> trying to become, he went out like one of the biggest suckers in the world, man. So bachelors are suckers. Okay. I'm not saying that they, I'm not saying, I'm just not saying that. What I'm saying is he was trying to play the long, the long game. The Yosef game. You know, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make a big deal out of it and try to get something. And then everybody comes back like, bro, you're one of the strongest people. You walked in here. This can't mean this much to these guys. Like, they act like he's... Did they say that? You're one yeah, of the strongest? One, one of the guys said, you walked in here, like, you walked in here, one of the strongest people. Like, you, you're going to walk out of here way stronger than you walked in here. This can't, be, this can't be fucking, what are you talking about? You know about? what I think it is? They aren't used to seeing what Jason did, right? Because most people, as they say in the Bachelor world, are there for the wrong reasons. They are there to stay long enough to get on the next show, Paradise. They are there to be the next Bachelor. They are there to raise their Instagram, social media following. Jason really fell for Claire. I don't he, think that's true. He would have stayed then. Why would you leave? Because Why I think would he, you leave? He didn't first of First of all, he didn't want a datation. Maybe he was. You try to say he wasn't into a black woman. Where is he from in the world? Is he from where is he from? I don't know. Was Tupelo, Mississippi? Shout out to Mississippi. That's a joke. The only reason why a Louisiana person can make jokes on Mississippi is because we're brother and sister. Yeah, that's Um, right. All right. Be careful. You said it. <laughs> be be careful there, Texas. Y'all are all, all right, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Texas. No, no. <laughs> Deep no. in the heart of the stars at night. Side brig and bright. <laughs> Deep in the heart of COVID. Wow. Texas, <laughs> one million cases. Don't get me started. Oh, like, come dude, on like now. Texas, one million cases. No, this, this, you picked the wrong week to do the Texas I'm not shit. Playing with you. Deep in the heart of COVID. Yeah. No, so don't, move on. Move okay. on. Okay. Anyway, so as you know, and so he goes home. I guess he did it for love. They said, of course, bro, we love you because that's not one less guy. Um, but the but. The thing about the episode that really, really was very, very interesting to me was finally the Rescue Rangers came back. We saw them, Chip and Dale. And you got to see an interview with Chip and Dale. I can tell you right now, there is trouble on the horizon for the Rescue Rangers. And I can tell one part Why? of that interview because Chip is sitting down there and she's talking. Dale is only jumping in every now and again, right? And Chris Harrison asked the Claire and Dale a very, very straightforward question. What's next for you guys? What happens next? Do you guys move in together or what or what? And she goes, babies! And that nigga Dale. <laughs> okay? T-N-D. That nigga Dale 
looked whiter than he's ever been before in his life. He looked like he had seen a ghost. He looked <laughs> like he had seen a ghost. He don't want, he's not even thinking about that. I wouldn't be surprised right now if Dale was in a clinic <laughs> having a reversible vasectomy as we speak. Stop. Dale is not I'm ready. I'm going to stop you there. He's not ready to be harvested just yet. I, He's not I'm gonna ready. I'm going to stop you there. So everything, obviously, I'm sure this is an, an edited piece. And having been in person and around both Claire and Dale, almost said Chip, Claire and Dale, she said the exact same thing in front of me and Brian. And his response was totally different than what you saw. It <laughs> don't matter. Well, wait, wait, wait. I'm just telling you, you he didn't look all white and like the, the color was flushed out of his skin. He was like, yeah. And they were talking is, about Is Dale it. biracial? Yeah. He went from being in that moment. He went from being straight biracial to straight white. He went, she was straight European <laughs> Caucasus Mountains. Straight up. Like he did. He don't, he not with it. Now in front of you and Brian, everybody is sitting around, right? You guys are hanging out. Nobody's watching the conversation, uh, Rachel. But so Nobody he didn't have to lie. It. Like, he didn't have to. No, it, it, in, in that situation, it's a lot more chill. He knows that the whole world is about to see him give okay. his loins over to Chip. And he's sacrificing his loins. He's not ready to sacrifice his loins quite yet. You put a ring on the finger of a 39-year-old woman who wants, who you know wants a family. You got to know the baby conversation is on All the right. table. I'm not saying it's not something that he don't have to know. I'm saying it, I, I looked at that and I watched it a couple of different times. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> is there trouble in the rescue rangers plane? But I do hope that they're happy. They look happy. I hope that they're happy. I'm just saying that's not the response that you want from the kiss thing. You want, yeah, hell yeah. Can't wait to have a wide receiver, man. Gonna teach him to run all the routes and stuff like that. You know, I uh, can't wait. It's me, it's Dale. It's the way he sounds to me. I can't wait to do it. That, yeah? That's actually a really good impression. It's like I, I, I saw Claire and <laughs> I just kind of fell over. It's like, <laughs> you know, that like I don't eat mushrooms because they have like just a little bit of pork in them and I gotta stay lean. But if I did eat mushrooms, that's, that's what the softness, oh, excuse me. I meant marshmallows. I'm sorry. It's just a little bit of pork and marshmallows. But if I did eat them, if I ate a marshmallow, the softness in the mouth would be like what it feels like to kiss, kiss Claire. That's that's what it is. It's like it's like sucking on a marshmallow. But I would never do that because it has pork in it. That's Dale. Um, now, I, I enjoyed. I I, I I I like. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the episode though. It was crazy. Good. It was like it's a it's a it's an emotional roller coaster. This show. Yeah. It is. It takes you on one. They're going through one. You got to think. It's like such a social experiment. Mm. You're in this space. You can't go anywhere. All you do all day is live, breathe, eat, whoever the lead is. That's it. That's it. No TV. So, so many, so, so much sexual innuendo coming from you. What is, what's no, up No, that's with you? just how you're taking it. That's no, where your mind a, goes. No, you called a, it bachelor porn. <laughs> like, like so, so much sexual innuendo coming from you. It's, just, it's so weird. People are going to pick up on that. You're going to ruin your wholesome image if you keep talking about eating bachelors. Do I have so, a wholesome image? Yeah, you definitely have a wholesome image, image from the high plains. Yeah, you're wholesome. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I said thank you. 
yeah. Okay. Well, you look. It's it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens next. Things are. I like the the spiciness. Okay. Are you liking the switch? Because now you're seeing you're going to see a more traditional episode. So it was cool. It was fine with me. After Tasha is like now more of how the show normally is. That's how it is. Okay. Yeah. It it uh, it was cool with me. It's been a um, it's been very entertaining. Good. You know, and the shot of her getting out of the pool was uh, it was money. That was money. It made sense seeing it that way versus how they first showed it to us. Right. Uh, Tasha, fine. There's no doubt about that. The beautiful, beautiful lady. Um, I am getting some mail from the brothers. I'm getting a lot of mail from black men about Tasha. A good way or bad way? They think Tasha is fine, but they don't think Tasha really cares too much for old El Chocolata. You know, they think, they think. Why do they think that? Why? That's more of the question. You, I sent you some of them. I haven't talked to her. I didn't ask them. I can't tell. She To me, it seemed like she was, you know, it, to me, it seemed like, you know, she, it was, it's like whatever, right? But I, I couldn't tell. It seems like they, they were like, man, Tasha ain't gonna pick no brother. I always wonder that when, when dudes or even women automatically size somebody up and they're like, they're not for us. I always wonder why. What, what makes you say that? Do you ever feel like, you know, when you when you pull up on the set with Brian and people are looking at you like, yo, what's popping with her? All the time. It happens. And what do you say? We're in love. Fuck you. I don't say anything. We're married. Right. It is what it is. But when yeah. I came on the show, mm-hmm. I was very cognizant of that because I was like, these people are going to see me come on this show out on The Bachelor mm-hmm. where the white a white male is The Bachelor. I thought they're going to think that that's all I've ever dated when in actuality that couldn't have been farther from the truth. Do you ever think to like just fuck with people about it? In what just, way? Just rub it in their face. That I'm with a non-black man? Yeah. Like for no. like Halloween. No. Go as like Thomas what? Jefferson and Sally Hemings or something Abs- like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Just, just be like, hey, fuck y'all. <laughs> like, think about that. Think about the Think, think about, about what scam- I'm saying about myself. <laughs> The joke is on me, man. If I do that, the joke is on me. They would be like, what? She clearly doesn't Yo, get it. Yo, that'd she... be so crazy. Yo, man. Like, Al Sharpton would probably hit me. Yo, has Rachel lost her fucking mind? You but wouldn't be able to that. do this anymore. But people have done that. Remember remember back in the G? I don't know if you remember. You might have been too young. But Whoopi Goldberg and Ted uh, Danson. Do you remember that? Yeah. They did like people fuck with people like that. Yeah. They did the black face thing and then it fucking <laughs> backfired at the prior. Of course point. it did. This podcast would be over. You would or I would be replaced. <laughs> Hands out. Change your cover art. This would be it would be a wrap. <laughs> You'd have no credibility. <laughs> ah. All right. Get towards the end of it. Uh that's the batch recap. Look, good episode. I'll continue. I'm gonna start giving favorites. So these are my top three favorites right now in the clubhouse. All right. Um for Tasha. Number one is Spencer. Oh, uh, he's a favorite? To me, he's the favorite. I think Spencer's oh, the, the favorite. favorite. Not your favorite. Got no, you, no, got no, you. No, 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 no. This is the favorite to win. So these are okay. my favorites. Number one is Spencer. Mm-hmm. Number two is actually easy. Okay. See, all of these brothers that were hitting me up saying that she didn't look like she was going to pick a brother, I felt like besides Spencer, it was easy and Riley that it seems like she's making a connection with. I mean, okay. there, are, there are other guys in there too, but... 
Those are the guys that I feel like she's making a connection with. I don't know how you couldn't put Brendan in there. Oh, Brendan after we as well. just saw that one-on-one date and she was like, he's everything. I mean, she yeah. was that's probably why you have dudes hitting you up after how she responded to him. The way she responded to him, she didn't respond to anybody else like that. Not even yeah. Spencer. I'm sorry. Forgot about Brendan. Yeah, Brendan, Brendan is definitely Brendan is tied with Spencer. Put that out there. So we okay. got okay. two and two. So two and two. Those are my favorites. So we're gonna keep tracking this as time goes on. All right. Don't have too much time left. Jordan mailbag time. From Jessica Fisher, what is your favorite holiday tradition? I feel like we don't have, I don't, we don't really have like a specific holiday tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is, I, I guess I think back like how we used to do it. We used to spend Thanksgiving with my dad's side of the family and we used to spend Christmas with my mom's side of the family. So to me, that's the tradition and the camaraderie that I get with family members knowing that that's how I'm going to spend my Christmas. Either either the grandparents came down to us for those holidays, vice versa. But no, like, specific tradition. Mm, um, I see. Other than, I will, like, when we were kids growing up, we decorate the Christmas tree together. We play, we either play on the piano ourselves or we would play Christmas music. And it was, mm. like, really, really sweet. And then the presents that came from Santa mm-hmm. would be by the fireplace. And the presents that came from our parents or other relatives or each other would be under the tree. Hmm. My favorite, that's, by the way, that's precious. I have two. Thank you. Wholesome. One was, uh, host, very wholesome. Very wholesome. Um, one was like me and my sister waking up early. Me and my sister had a cold word. Uh, it was turbo. So I would come to my sister or she would wish it, she would wish for turbo to me, a turbo or jumbo. And that would mean it's time to get up and go down and get the presents, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that, and that was like something every single year until we stopped doing that. Boy, childhood is the best. Every single year right. until we stopped doing that. Like, that was amazing. My second favorite one, uh, Christmas tradition or holiday tradition, is my dad fucking over his relatives. Okay. If there's ever more than 10 Lathans, my dad is going to fuck over somebody. Why? Because everybody gets on his nerves. He never wants to be around. My, what my father has, more than anything, is undiagnosed social anxiety. Okay. Doesn't like to be around a lot of people. Neither does just, mine. D- just doesn't enjoy it, right? If it's at his crib, it's 10 of, of me and my friends and stuff like that. For some reason, he's cool. When he gets around the rest of the family, he gets irritable, right? He gets super irritable and anything can set him off. And before you know it, like, you're, 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 everybody's having a good time. They knew normally once everybody relaxes, you hear, you know what, nigga? (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then my mom would just, and then my my, my mom would just look and it's time to break out. It's like, it's it's, 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 it's time, it's time to break out. It's time to break out. I'm like, what happened? I'm like, what happened? She's like, it doesn't matter what happened this time. You knew it was going to happen. We, we, we're not going to make it. We'll come back and get your presents tomorrow. (laughs) Every, never fails. Jordan, next question. From Janet Gardner, Red Vines or Twizzlers? Twizzlers. I like Twizzlers. I like Twizzlers. I mean, actually, I prefer, I kind of like those equal, but I like just the licorice, though. Mm, I don't like, look, have you seen, have you seen the um, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode with the licorice? I have seen it, of course. (laughs) But Twizzlers, Twizzlers for me, it doesn't matter. I never buy them for home, but if they're in the office, like right now, Billy Bush has them in his office. I constantly sneak in there and get them off the top of the refrigerator. It's something about them. I can't pass by Twizzlers. I love them. They don't even really taste like anything. Uh, Not not really, but it's just kind of fun to eat. 
We're going to go. Next time you go in Billy Bush's, right. next time you go in his office, put a little mic in there, and then we're going to see what we can get. Okay, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Billy Bush! Um, <laughs> last question, Jordan. <laughs> From Alex Lumina, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, I've often thought about this. Mm-hmm. Have you, Van? I have. I know you have. Yeah, of course. I know you have. <laughs> right. Oh, I, I go between two. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, three. Okay. I really have thought about this. I used to say all-knowing. I don't want that power. No, that's too I much. don't no, want to know everything. But right. it's either to be invisible mm-hmm. or to freak. fly. Okay. Did you call me a freak? The invisible shit. It. The invisible shit. Anybody who, the invisible, when, when you ask this question, to people out there, I, 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 when you when you ask this question to people, when you ask this question to people, if they say invisibility, look out. That's not them. true. I, That's why. Why does that? Why, why? Why would you want to not be seen? If you can, if you can fly, or if you're super strong on all of that, what's the point of not being able to be seen? You either want to rob banks, you know what no. I mean, or or you want to like. Why would you want to not be seen? Is is I mean, I mean, there are reasons that to want to not be seen, but it's all to do sneaky, sometimes no, freaky sometimes shit. Sometimes for me, it's just about getting away. Like I want to be able to move without being seen. Like I want to be able not because I'm trying to rob a bank, or maybe I want to listen to a conversation. Maybe that's See? it. Maybe See? that's true. See, I want to mm-hmm. be able to to move around though without being seen. Like it doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. Right. I'm not necessarily thinking of robbing. Like, what if I'm sitting in a meeting so I can hear something and I'm using it for good? Right. Like I take that information and then I'm able to use it for something good. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm able to, to sneak into like the White House and I'm privy mm-hmm. to certain information. I'm able to take that and do something good with it. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that I could move around and nobody knows what I'm doing. Yes. Right. Okay. I, I like that. That's Sorry. Sure. I ain't, right, that'll make me a freak. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Name Sneaky yours. Shit. Go ahead. Uh, invulnerability. And the reason why is because that would be the easiest one to, like, fuck with people. You're a sociopath. Right. Invulnerability, <laughs> you, right? You talked about me. Invulnerability. That is a characteristic of a sociopath. No, it's not. <laughs> think about think about it if you're invulnerable, right? And, like, your nephews come over and you have, like, a live 45. But they don't know you're invulnerable. And you walk out, you're like, oh, you shoot yourself in the arm and then it just bounces off. You're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. It's funny. Or like you could do all kinds of stuff, you know, you can help, you know, you, in vulnerability, you just walk around, you can't be hurt. It's, it's, it's dope. You have no feelings. You have, you aren't able That's to empathize. Not about feel, how, why would you not be able to empathize because you're invulnerable? You can empathize. Well, you can empathize about so, what the so other motherfuckers you're saying is you're going like, through. You're like Wolverine. No, that's different. Wolverine has a healing factor. So no, whatever whatever happens to Wolverine, he heals from it. So With he feels me, it, but he heals. Okay, I'm talking you don't about like feel it. I'm talking about like Superman. You shoot a gun at Superman, bing bing, coming back at you. You know what I mean? Like you can't hurt him. So it's not an emotional thing. It's more of a physical thing for it's you. It's a physical thing. Like like Wolverine. Right. Every time Wolverine's claws comes right. out, he talked about it. He goes, it hurts. It hurts every time they come out. That's not what I'm into. Uh, either that or I plain old being able to fly. Now I could get nerdy with it. I could say I want the powers of Franklin Richards to be able to create pocket universes all over time or psionically link with beings from other dimensions and stuff like that. I know enough of these powers, but I keep it simple. Thank keep it you. simple. I know you guys aren't ready to talk about Franklin Richards. You're not ready to talk about people like that. Nate Gray and all of these different comic book characters that have these fantastical powers. You don't want to talk right. about them. That's we're fine. we're not want, ready. 
You don't want to discuss them. Who's your unexpected ally of the Just week? Just fly. Thank you. By the way, mailbag is over. Thank you, Jordan, for mailbag. Thanks, fantastic. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, who, unexpected ally of the week. Who you got? Uh, Maren Morris. Do you know who she is? Know who that? She's a country singer. A uh, mm-hmm. very popular, successful country singer. And when she, CMAs were this week, and when <clears> she stood up to accept her award, she decided to honor all of the black women in country and talked about their influence. Um, I wish oh, I had wow. the list to name them. That's amazing. But talk about their influence and talk about their presence and how influential they are and will continue to be in country music. I thought that was beautiful. She named people I had never heard of before. So, yeah. Yeah. Aaron Morris. I didn't watch the uh I didn't watch the um the country music awards. You watched them? No. Yeah. I'm just asking. You saw about I, I saw it trending. It was trending. Yeah. I, I know not, who Marin Morris is. I didn't I didn't know. I mean, look, I'm a, when I listen to some country, I don't have any problem with country, man. I don't either. I used to be a huge fan in the nineties. Like I used to, you know, listen to it. I also liked when Garth Brooks went away from country and did the whole little Chris Gaines thing. You remember that? That never needs to happen again. Garth Brooks is great at what Garth Brooks does normally. Loved it. No, I like Garth Brooks. Right. Um, My unexpected ally of the week is not unexpected. These are allies. I think sometimes if you are too far to the left of things, people get the impression that you do not love and respect the military. Uh, It was Veterans Day this past week. And I come from a family of men who served in Vietnam, in Korea, uh, in skirmishes, in Desert Storm, all over the place. I come from a family of guys who have really done that. I want to take the time right now to tell everyone that I appreciate that sacrifice more than anything. I think about a friend of mine named Jeffrey Kirk. Jeffrey Kirk was a guy I went to high school with. Um, Jeff always knew he wanted to be a Marine. Jeff uh, then became a Marine. Went through, uh, got out of, uh, of of high school, joined the Marines, and then was sent to Iraq. Jeff served bravely in Iraq, and then after having served a tour in Iraq, was sent home. The government called Jeffrey up, asked him to go back to Iraq, to which Jeffrey said yes. He never made it back to Baton Rouge. They were uh, clearing a room in Fallujah. A grenade was thrown. Jeff apparently tried to pick this grenade up and throw it back, and he was killed. All right. Known this kid since he was about 12 years old. He didn't die for any particular president or any bullshit uh, agenda. He died for his country and would have done it a hundred more times. And this, whatever we say, there are men and women like that everywhere. And they're Mm -hmm. serious about it. The people that have to be serious about them are the people who send them into harm's way. So whenever you hear about troop buildups or amassing troops here or sending 30,000 troops there, but putting guys there, remember, that's 30,000 lives, 30,000 families, 30,000 sets of friends. Those are living, breathing human beings who are putting their body on the line for this country. So I might not respect the war, but I always, always, always respect the soldiers. So shout out to those guys and to everyone that, that, you know, that, that served this country for a cause it's just and... Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're done. Um, you got anything else, Rach, before nope. you go off and do your 10 other jobs or something? <laughs> no, I'm good. All I'm right. Good. Uh, you guys take your thing caps off, but do not stop learning. Our learning is gone. I am Van Layton. I am Rachel Lindsay. We out. 
When the protest started this summer, I decided not to join. The main reason was that I didn't want to be let down again. I've been here before. I've marched, I've yelled, and not much changed. But when I did finally go out there, I found some people and stories that got me thinking about this movement in a much different way. And I want to show you. My new podcast, Resistance, is out now. Follow and listen on Spotify. It's Black Lives, baby. 